And thank you very much for tuning in to another recap podcast on Code with Kingy, where we are looking at Bettersloe Cup test number two, where thankfully the All Blacks prevailed over the Wallabies at the fortress that is Eden Park. Dad gets back on to help run the cutter, and with that he shares his lens, as well as highlighting some of the standout individual performances. Enjoy. Well, yep, uh, welcome back, old fella. Definitely uh, a smile on our face, or there's definitely... There definitely was a smile on my face after the game that I witnessed this afternoon. So, yeah, I'll throw the mic to you. What did you oh. take away from Low test number two? Oh, kia ora, Tama. Um, expected, to be honest. I think uh, the All Blacks just looked a lot more urgent, a lot more desperate. I think they were embarrassed last week. And they, they put in a good performance, but... I think the Aussies showed enough that, yeah, they've got a pretty bright future. Uh, I was looking at some of these, uh, you know how sometimes I do like the player ratings and that? Mm-hmm. I'm just having a quick nosy now. And Robert Van Royen, I think he's got a little bit carried away with some of these scores. But, you know, it's just what you see at the time. But I'm not sure if some of these guys are worth eights or eight and a halves, but he sort of felt the need. But... I, I actually thought, especially in that first 20 minutes, a little bit all over the place. I don't know what mm. you thought. Yeah. And then it was sort of quite tight come the second 20 minutes. And then I think just that first 20 in the second half, uh, the All Blacks got control of it. And um, once they sort of went bang, 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 as I've sort of talked about, like last week, yeah, that was the game. And... I think it became a bit of a reality check for the Aussies, but I don't think Rennie would be too distraught about that because they're showing glimpses of actually what they're capable of, which is, yeah, good for them moving forward. Mm. Like we mentioned last week, the the weather played into their hands in terms of the the physical side of the game, or it it seems to be their point of emphasis, first and foremost. Like they They were attacking the breakdown, the All Blacks obviously had to secured that up and they did a better job looking after their own pill but the, the Aussies do have a bit of an edge to them now it's almost mm. like yeah it's almost like they're, they're really sort of taking it to the All Blacks but they're not quite there in terms of creating their own play or even punishing the All Blacks like even with their first try to Coram Beatty uh, I, mean, I mean it happens but you know I think the the phase before they ended up scoring where they hit the short board of Tani Alatupo and he got cut um, about a metre from the line. And I know that Justin Marshall mentioned it during the game, but it's just, it's just little stuff like that. They didn't quite take their opportunities. Um, I was really impressed with the number six, the one that got elevated to the team by way of dropping Pete Samu. I, I really like the look of their number eight as well. And, yeah, I, it, 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 it's nice to, to think that going forward, it's going to be um, a little bit, there's going to be a bit more parity in these games. I know the last couple of years, the Aussies have sort of gone wayward. I mean, outside of probably what happened in Perth last year, the Wallabies just didn't look like they, they were interested in beating the All Blacks, so they didn't look like they're up for it. Whereas like now, um, which is funny, you know, all it takes is one new coach with a different regime to flip what is 
I guess close to, to to what was there for for Michael Checker last year. I know that Rennie's gone out and elevated a few young fellas, which, which bring a lot of energy. But yeah, it's going to be interesting going forward. Uh, yeah, for the Australians as to what they build off of. You know, is is James O'Connor going to be their ten going forward? I think that's yeah. that's going to be a really crucial yeah. position for them. Um, and I, I thought it was quite funny. You know, the, the comments made by both uh, of the likes of Ian Smith and Marshall. They talked about Nick White. I actually didn't think he played all that bad. It was just considering that, I guess, the drop-off of how well he performed last week. And I think, I mean, you make a mention to what Robert Van Vrooyen has done in, in the aftermath of today's game. Yeah, I, I think it is quite easy to just get, take what we saw there and, like, you, you almost, you're, you're giving these guys eights because of how poorly they played last week. Yeah. So, yeah, just little stuff like that. I mean, like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the rugby championship or the Tri Nations, with the exclusion of South Africa, which we'll get to. But I think I think the biggest takeaway from this game was Caleb Clark, uh, and I know I was quick to shut down a, a comment uh, from my guest last week on, you know, the, the comparisons to Jonah, which always seemed to be the case when you know the next young fellow with number eleven who mixes speed and power together. But yeah, but w- what did you take away from him? I, I thought he played really well, but I know with you obviously having seeing the likes of Jonah and seeing, you know, the, the Victor Vitos, the Julian Severs and whoever else, the Frank Hallies who've come in and been anointed with that nickname or that comparison, you know, did you did you like what you see from Caleb Clark or is it, do you think you need to see more of him going forward to really get a good glimpse? Um, I'll, I'll just take one step back because the one thing I, I'd like to mention is I think, I think part of the reason why the Aussie did so well last week is that because you've got to remember... Um, we didn't really see anything of the way the Australians played in their own domestic competition. So I think they sort of got the hop on us a little bit last week. And I think I think we learnt a bit from last week's game. And so we weren't as unprepared as last week. And I think also as well, I think because these guys haven't really seen anything of Caleb Clark, yeah, they've sort of seen him, you know, they might have watched some of our games, but to actually actually face him on the field. So I think he sort of had the luxury of actually being able to catch these guys by surprise. So if you remember last week, he was only on for 10, 10 15 minutes. This time they, they got, what, like a, did he play the full 80? Oh, no, I think he played about 60, 65. Yeah, he went off from so a I, yeah. So, I, so I, I think what's happened is he's probably surprised them a bit. And I think he's very confident at the moment. I think he'll probably still be the form player probably for the rest of this year, but... Let's just sort of take a step back and just see how it goes next year and the year after. Because you've got to remember, you know, last year we were talking about Severis and the two previous years we were talking about Rico Iwani. So we just sort of need to sort of, you know, temper things a, a weeny bit. But still very, very impressive. You know, very impressive. I think the thing for me is that I just thought, you know, because I think, wasn't he a uh, midfielder at school? He wasn't a wing, I'm, eh? I'm not too sure. I mean, I think he was a midfielder at school, so he, he's sort of like another one of these guys, like Rico Yuani, who are essentially, I think these guys are midfielders, but when they're young and they just want to get them on the field, I say, oh, I'll chuck you on the wing. I think if you watch him play, I think he could be another one that ends up in the midfield as well, because I'm not sure if he's got that top-end speed that actually wings have, but, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's you know, he played awesome, but I'm not sure. I think his future may be in the midfield. It's a funny one when the, when these young guys come through and, and you talk about you know them not having a lot of tape on them, but 
and I know it's easier said than done because I'm not the guy I'd be having to tackle him. But you know, a lot of the time for, for wingers, which I always find quite interesting, I know that you can, I know that now obviously with, with the professional games, you know, teams do a lot of homework on who they're coming up against and they try and find ways to negate players' strengths. But it's almost as if you, you know, you just got to tackle the guy. You know what I mean? Like it's a bit different. Yeah. Like when you get like a, a first five or a fullback or a halfback who's game is really reliant on helping others out or you know setting up the play for others whereas for a winger it's really just about running and catching yeah so yeah yep. whether or not he's not that great in the year and they look to t- you know that that could be like a point of emphasis going forward for different teams i don't know like like you said he's only really come into the light this year yep. having spent a bit of time with auckland and in the sevens and in and with the blues this year and yeah obviously now he it looks like he's got the number 11 jersey and until he doesn't want it all until he's not playing well. So yeah, it, it, yeah, it is quite. I mean, you, you make the point to to mention Severis. You know just how quickly things change in the All Black oh, environment. Oh, very much so. Um, very, very much so. I mean, it, I mean, and you also got to remember when Julian Severe came on the yeah, scene. Yeah, you know, he yeah, was in exactly. his early twenties and he was good for five or six years. And you know, he's only like maybe just turned thirty now. You know, in a lot of ways, internationally, he's been put out to pasture. So you've got to remember, it seems to be a habit, especially in New Zealand, is that we produce these young fellas that come through in the early 20s, and they're usually good for a good five or six years, and then they eventually thing off. So um, he could be really awesome for the next five or six years, and then he might maybe slowly move into the midfield. Who knows? But this is not a surprise, because j- just look at the conveyor belt of a young outside backs we have. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It really is. It's ridiculous. Now, another big takeaway from this week, or one of the other talking points going into this afternoon's game, was Bowden Barrett. Now, he's another one who I thought I'm. I'm. I'm going to assume because I haven't seen the scorecard that you that you referred to before. But um, I'm going to think that Van Royen gave him an eight. He gave him uh, an eight and a half. He gave him an eight and a half. Okay, he gave wow. Him an eight and a half. Yeah, I'm not quite sure, but that he, he did play well and. They're still looking to find that balance between him and Wanga. Wanga was, oh, I was messaging a mate before, and he, yeah, he, we'd actually caught up for lunch during the week, and he mentioned uh, the fact that he doesn't think that Wanga has quite shown the same ability at the test level as, as he's, what he's been doing um, at the Super Rugby level. But yeah, I liked what I saw from Barrett. I know it was a big talking point going into this game. You know, the, the fact that you know his, his brother's still on the wing and whether or not he's earned the right to, to be a starting All Black, but I'm, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm like off the back of like how well he played at fullback, you know, and if Mwanga puts in another so-so performance, like Mwanga wasn't bad, but I, I guess it's just the fact that if, if Barrett keeps playing consistently well and they're like, well, if Geordie's keeps playing well, you know, give him an opportunity at fullback and then push Barrett into 10. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen going into these Tri-Nations because I did a bit of reading on the Argentinians and it looks as if they're only going to have two trial games or practice games before coming into the to the championship against teams around their part of the world and so whether or not you know because they haven't played in close to six months i think collectively as a group and they're still going to be bringing guys in over from europe you know whether or not that's a game where they look to throw barrett at 10 or whether fozzy's going to be quite stubborn you know from what he's dragged over from the old regime and keep that that dual playmaker role going you know like yeah i, I it's weird, like, I, I want to have Geordie Barrett on the park, but I, I just don't think that, you know, in big games, you know, take nothing away from him. He's, he's an out-and-out finisher that, that we'd like to have on the flanks. I think if you ask most people, um, he, he should be at fullback. And then I think, I think 
Foster's got to deal with the fact well it's either going to be Moanga or Barrett starting. I I I I think I think this has been doing it's been a disservice to Geordie Barrett to stick him on the wing. I I I can't for the life of me um, understand why he's not starting at fullback. I didn't think Bowden Barrett was that great to be honest. I thought he did some okay okay things, but I didn't I wasn't that impressed with Moanga either. I I just think if you look at what Geordie's doing on the wing. He's doing a really, really good job. Imagine, I just think, imagine how much more effective he would be if he was at fullback. That's just my take. And I just think Foster's just going to choose between Moanga and Barrett. But all he could do is, like, you, you can still get them both on the field, you know, but one replaces the other. To be honest, it doesn't bother me who's on because I think they're much of a muchness. But I just think Geordie Barrett's playing too well to be played out of position on the wing. I just... I, I personally think it's ridiculous, but, you know, Ian Foster will be, be judged on that, I guess. You know, I, I, I don't know what you think, but, yeah, I just think he's got to bite the bullet and put the best fullback playing at fullback. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally what you just, what you just gone on about. Yeah, it's, it, it's tough because it, it's one of those flip things, right? Like, if Barrett goes into 10 and he doesn't play well or the team doesn't play well, then it's like, well, look, oh, you know, like people are, I guess, taking Moanga for granted, or you know, like Bowden Barrett's just not what he was at ten. But then if Barrett does come in and play well, then it's almost like we wasted that whole of twenty nineteen and you know whatever else we're gonna do in twenty twenty. Well, no, 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 he didn't. No, no, because... no I, I know, but that's what that's what's gonna happen though. Really? Like, back, you, can you imagine the media coming back? I mean, there, no, there, already, so, there because... are already so many people coming out, and I, I don't know if you read the stuff comment sections about. Uh, you know, their persistence with the dual playmaker role. And I think, yeah, if, if Barrett comes back and he is, I don't know, 90% of what, what he was in 2016, 2017, you know, whether or not that will eventuate, you know, like, is yet to be seen. But, yeah, I, 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 can, I can definitely see that being, you know, one of the, one of the areas being like, you know, we should have no, never done it. It's a stupid argument because Geordie Barrett wasn't, playing the sort of rugby last year that he's playing this year. He yeah. actually deserves to be the fullback. Last year he didn't, so it was just like, well, if you want to get your your form first five and your best attacking back on the field, then you put one at 10, one at 15. Now, that had merit last year. This year it doesn't because Barrett's form wasn't that great in Super Rugby. Moanga's was, but Geordie's uh, form was that good. He had to be the fullback, and I, I just think Foster's got it wrong. He's either got to bring... Bodie off the bench or start him. It's, it's you know it's it's pretty straightforward as far as I'm concerned. So I think anyone that goes down that path of saying oh see it was wrong putting Barrett it wasn't last year it was the correct thing to do, and all you know if you see leading up to that you know when they, the way they played the South Africans um, at the World Cup you know in the early round and the way they played against the Irish and that it was like they were justified in picking it was just they got undone in that English game but that was the whole team. Now this is a different year. You've got a guy who's just on fire. He'll probably be Player of the Year if you ask me. But that's where a hard decision has to be made. It, you know, so I don't know where these guys are getting off saying, "Oh, you know, Barrett should have been there the whole time," because it's it's a different time, different argument. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I'm just, I guess, looking into the crystal ball. I can just see that happening. Should Barrett go to ten and he play well, but but I yeah. think the thing is as well, he's not available next year, is he? No, he? no, no, he's in Japan. No, I'm, I'm pretty so sure it, he's... So in a lot of ways, it actually makes sense for them to actually stick with Moanga. Because if he's going to be the one there next year, 
It's like, well, Barrett's made a conscious choice to leave for a year, then it's just like, okay, why are you going to reward a guy that's actually not going to be around next year? And that's just my take on it, you know? Now, if he was hanging around, then I think it'd be, there'd be merit in probably putting him back in, but he's not going to be here next year. So, you know, I, I personally think I've got a feeling the Argies might pull out too anyway, so it might just end up being these Bledisloe Cup games. I wouldn't be surprised if the Argies drop out. Cause, and, if, and also as well, I don't think they'll get the crowds anyway, even if the Argies came. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The difference is the Springboks, because the Springboks will bring the crowds in, but not the Argies. But yeah. anyway, that's just my take on it. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, the, the, the tournament is dated to kick off in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm not too sure as to when the Argentinians need to make their call in order you know, for that stuff to then get processed. But I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't all that... I, I mean, I was sort of on the fence. So I, I, I'm also leaning towards the, the feeling that the All Blacks were going to win. But I did... My concerns, uh, or the, the concern level um, I had, uh, was certainly raised when I heard about Sam Whitelock not playing and yeah. then having to elevate the young fella. Um, I, I thought he did all right. He's still quite raw. Um, yep. I, I, I sort of tried to, to make the conscious effort to look out for him around the park. And there were times when I thought he sort of got sucked into a lot of different things. And I think it's part of that's almost being a little bit too eager which I think can happen with, you know, rookies at, across all levels. But, I mean, what did you make of the All Black pack as a whole? I, I, again, like, I take my hat off to Sam Kane. Uh, oh, yeah he, yeah, he was he was very good. Yeah. He was very good today. Very yeah, I think, today. yeah, I think outside of, obviously, what Caleb Clark did, he was, he was my man of the match. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, in a funny sort of way, I think being given the captaincy and the fact that the Chiefs were, like, 0-8... I think he's had a he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder and he's really had to prove himself. And I think he's done that in in the last two games. He looks like a leader. He's playing like a leader. Yeah. The the one actually who I think's been a bit quiet and that just might be because um, that the Aussie forward pack is so much more competitive now is Frizzell. Mm. He's he's he was probably the, the form loose forward of the competition, but. I think he's been a little bit quiet, and I just don't know whether that's because the tight five aren't doing the well. But I, I just sort of feel like he's not imposing as, himself on as, game, as eh? visible. Yeah, you know that that's just been my take on it. Just like you know, in Super Rugby, he was just like everywhere. But I just sort of feel like maybe it's the jump to international rugby. Maybe the tight five aren't, um, or maybe the four pack itself aren't dominating. And I think he's probably maybe had to put his head down and ask up a bit more and it's probably not as visible. That's weird, though, because his, his tight five at the Highlanders wasn't all that great, so he was almost playing like Superman. I mean, I, I know we've both thrown a lot of plays at, at that loose forward trio down in um, Dunedin. But, yeah, he just hasn't... I mean, it's one thing to do it with ball in hand because I know that, you know, the All Blacks have a, a certain type of game plan and because if you're one of the better players, especially at your super franchise, they're going to look to revolve a lot of the game around you. And I just don't think that, you know, he's like the, the guy with ball in hand in the forwards. That's more so the likes of Yardi Sevilla's and yeah. with your hookers. But, so, yeah, so yeah, probably it, what might, might might be happening is that his job description has changed. So maybe it's not so much the ball in hand that he was doing when he was with the Highlanders. So maybe that's not making him as visible as he was during Super Rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, like, we, you know... We, we're really looking for that six to have that, you know, what what the Aussies have, that edge. And 
like you said, the the fact that you know in the past we've had the likes like a Jerome Kaino and even like when we had Liam Squire, you know that have that guy at six, he's almost like you know the don't fuck with me guy in the Ford pack. Yep. And yep. like he looked the goods at Super Rugby level, and you know, I mean he's still early days. I mean what is it? It's only like his maybe his second or third year in the All Blacks, and he's finally getting some consistent minutes. Yeah, and he's um, still he's still like I don't I don't think he's that old either. No, so he's he's, he's, he's yeah, fair. So he's got years ahead of him. Actually, just while we're on the subject, I I, I wouldn't mind putting a bit of a plug in for your old teammate, like in his uh, first Test cap. Yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty yeah, crazy that's ever. awesome. Yeah. It, it's really awesome, old uh, young Peter Umanga Jensen. I mean, I just remember watching him, you know, playing the first few rounds of club rugby, and I was sort of thinking I remember him from his days at school and he was the big star and then watching him play some club rugby and then all of a sudden he just went boom, boom, boom when he started playing for the Hurricanes and look at him now, he's an All Black. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. just yeah, shout out to Peter and, and I hope he's all right. I know he went off with a head knock so hopefully it's nothing too serious. Doesn't matter now, he's an All Black forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. who cares? <laughs> who but cares? I mean, but I mean what, a, what a crazy week though, right? Yeah, to get... Because oh, yeah. I know he, he was meant to play for the Lions yesterday, but they had obviously had to fly him up as cover for Iwani or I think that his hamstring or something like that. But yeah, yeah he's an All Black now. He, he's, he's an All Black. He's a test All Black. And you can say, I play with an All Black in my, in my team this year. And yeah. you did. No, yeah. I'll tell you what was really interesting, because I'd be interested in take, getting your opinion on this. I, I noticed it, uh, but Anton Leonard Brown, he was really impressive. I, I thought he was good today, which I don't know what the future is of Rico Ioani at the moment, but um, he wasn't missed today. Well, my, I, like going into last week's test, I would have, I don't know why they've, they've switched Goodyear to 12. I know he plays 12 for the Crusaders because they've had to make way for Braden Enor, but yeah. Anton Leonard Brown's a 12 for me. I, I, I like the way that he plays at 12, and... Honestly, I'd like to see him paired with Iwani. Uh, but whether or well, not Iwani gets a second yeah. chance, because you know why? Yeah. Why try and fix something that isn't broken? Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you think? Do you think maybe because it didn't last year in the World Cup they they swapped? So no, it wasn't no, good. You, wasn't good. You at centre last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Was yeah, that's why I I, don't, I can't understand for the life of me. I mean, whether or not Goodhue's come out and said, you know, I want to play twelve, and because he spent the year at the Crusaders playing twelve. Uh, that's the that's the reason why they're doing it, but but no, yeah, I I, I was I was quite shocked when they picked Goodhue anyway. Well, they picked the fact that they could pick Goodhue instead of Anton Leonard Brown. Maybe that was as a result of the the Chiefs' poor season, but I didn't think that Leonard Brown was one of the guys who who saw a dip in form. You know, maybe like yeah. a Damian McKenzie or a Brad Weber. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, nah, he, nah, he he was good today. He, like for me, he's he's like the next Conrad Smith. He's our glue guy. Oh yeah, he's he is he is that guy. I I I I just don't know if Goodhue's a second five. I actually think he's better at centre because he hasn't impressed me at second five. But when he's at centre, I like, oh, this guy's pretty good, you know, at centre. But I just I I just don't I personally don't think he suits second five. That's just my take. Like, he just he just either he's he's transitioning into being more comfortable in that position because he's been playing centre for the previous three years. And as you said, he's probably shifted into second five to cater for Braden Eno. Um But I, I, I just think he looks out of position, yeah. personally. Yeah. Or maybe it's because he cut his hair. Could Who knows? Be. It could be. It could be. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Could be. Could be. Yeah, but all jokes aside, um, yeah, a, a really, I guess, confidence booster for the nation. Like you said, I think there are going to be a lot of people 
and join a few kick-ons uh, up in Auckland or around the country, and that you know they're going to wake up tomorrow morning and not feel um, in as dire a strait as perhaps what happened, yeah. you know, the yeah. Monday just gone. But hey, um, I don't mean to interrupt again. It's just, I just, I just put them to my head. But what do you think about Graham Henry's comments about Dave Rennie instead of Ian Foster? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what Ted was trying to do there. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. But it's, they're interesting comments, eh? They are really interesting comments, considering he was on the panel that picked And the, the timing as well, the fact that he comes off like a, It's not like he he mentioned this after it happened, but, you know, it pops up in a week when, you know, Ian Foster, if the seat already, already wasn't hot enough, you know, it, it, you know it's pretty much, it was pretty much scorching this week. And, yeah, I, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, like I, I, I can understand where Ted's coming from, and I guess, like, if you gave me the choice between the two um, this time last year, I would have said, yeah, I, I probably would have preferred Henry. Uh, no, sorry, Henry. Rennie. Rennie. Yeah, c- considering his track record. But whether or not those two have a, a weird relationship or don't have a relationship at all. Well, well the, other, the other thing could be, unless Ian Foster already knew what Ted was going to say and it was sort of maybe like a, a good sort of like a promotion of the game or maybe it sort of look like that I'll show you who knows what's going on behind the scenes um and maybe it might have been a bit of a stitch up you know just sort of like just get the media going and Ian Foster knew all about this all along you know just to sort of spark things up a bit I don't know it just sort of seemed to really I don't know I don't know about, I don't know what the point of the comments were but it must have done had the desired effect because you know now we're going to win the world cup yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The, the timing of it all was quite weird, and yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, we still got two games to play, so yeah. I know we can still lose. So. Exactly, exactly. But so, who knows? yeah, that's um, that's a wrap of Blitterslow Test Two. Yeah, and like I mentioned before, the Rugby Championship should it go ahead kicks off in a couple of weeks. Um, but then yeah, I'm I'm not sure what happens outside of that because obviously they they've planned it all to have that be you know, the thing that's going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, whether or not the, the All Blacks just go over there in November and then play the two tests and it's done with it, I guess, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens yeah. with Argentina's decision. Do, do you know, off the top of your head, do you know where the next test, or where the, the Aussie, whereabouts have they been playing? Are they, like, in Sydney and... No, I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. I know that that, that bubble, like the, the travel bubble with... The, the no quarantine or something that's something to do with Sydney I'm not sure yeah, if that's, that, they're, 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 New South Wales have got the no quarantine but I don't yeah. know the games are no but then um, f- from what I've gathered um, following the league a little bit in Queensland uh, I think they're allowed to mingle you know like you don't have to be in your bubble up there or something, oh, something okay. weird yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know I, I actually haven't gone in and checked the, the logistical side of things as to, as to where the games were mm. going to be being played but yeah it's going to yeah like I mentioned it's going to be an interesting next week or so, you know, with, yeah, the fact that we're going to win the next World Cup, you know, that's going to be the talk, and then leading into the trip over to Oz, and, yeah, what's yeah. to come over there. But thank you very much, Dad, for again, for, for jumping in at the last minute uh, earlier this week, and then jumping on tonight to help me recap it all, and... Until okay, I, uh, it's all good, it's all good. Yeah, until um, I'm in my next hour and eat, or, you know... <laughs> <laughs> When I need to go um, reach for the top shelf again. I, 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 I know where I stand now, son. I know where I stand. <laughs> That's all good. All right, Dad. I love you and leave her. Thank you. Yeah. Matiwa.